think um, I, I know that a lot of our listeners are goalkeepers or goalkeepers' parents, and yeah. everything that we've talked about so far is magnified, you know, three, four times when you're a goalkeeper because you have to find, uh, you have to find, you know, your dream school or the school that fits you best, and they have to need a goalkeeper. You know, uh, at some point in your four-year career, you know, you you anticipate as a goalkeeper who's who's looking at schools, having a chance to, to be the starter, you know, yeah. or having a chance to be the goalkeeper. Uh, and, you know, the question becomes, are you are you willing to put up with the the day-to-day rigors at whatever level you choose, um, maybe to be, and maybe you only wind up being the number two for four years you know, or the number three. And, um, you know, again, this is, this is all part and parcel of choosing a, a program. And, you know, so I, and I think doubly maybe for goalkeepers, you know, level, you know, the label, the level label doesn't make, it should not make a difference because you want an opportunity to play. Playing is the teacher, as we all know, right? Uh, you know, exactly. training, training and everything is getting ready for that teaching moment of playing it's that one percent we're looking for that sam and i are looking for to get you out of your comfort zone Hey guys, welcome to Coffee and Leadership with Pros. I am Amanda Forster, the head coach at Richmond Goalkeeping Academy. And today I have a couple friends. We have Coach Nico, one of our virtual coaches uh, with RGA, uh, and Evie Eric Botter, good friend and mentor to John Bush on with us. And today's topic is just, hey, what level should I play at at the college level? What is the difference between D1, D2, D3? And also, um, you know, what's the value of playing at club if I don't want to commit to those levels? So, Nico, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, everyone. Amanda, thank you for having me on. Evie, it's always a pleasure. Uh, so, I'm a former college coach, uh, NAIA, for the women's side at Point Park University for a few months. Uh, I was at Pitt for three years as the women's club coach there. I was a the head coach uh, there, and I'm also a goalkeeper coach for a U23 team out of Baltimore, women's. Nice. And that's with the CCL Pro 23, correct? Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Evie? Uh, my name is Eric Fodder. I've been doing this far too long and, uh, you know, uh, have coached at all. I've been very fortunate in, in that I've been able to coach goalkeepers at all levels in the United States and, um, uh, you know, have been able to kind of see various aspects of, the, of goalkeeping um, which really and truly just boils down to keeping the ball out of the goal, regardless of what level you say you're playing at. Uh, but uh, I think our topic today is going to discuss that kind of stuff. And so I'm looking forward to, uh, get, to getting it going. Awesome. Well, I'm here live <laughs> doing this podcast. So there's a little bit of more background noise that we usually have. We're at our uh, coffee sponsor choice, the local cup here in Mechanicsville, Virginia, three minutes from our field. So parents, goalkeepers, if you're nearby, it's a great hangout. 
especially with the fall cool season coming along. So, but let's get started, guys. Um, you know, some of the biggest questions that I get is, you know, is club worth it? And, uh, you know, what is club soccer? Nico, can you kind of share a little bit of the value of club soccer and how it's different from being a varsity athlete? Yeah, so uh, club soccer, it's a great way to continue your playing career. Just because you love the game, you want to be, still be involved, but you also want to focus more on your studies. Because it's not every day I'm training, I'm getting up for training, I got team duties, I got to go work out in the gym. Uh, you don't have to worry about like boarding a flight, going to Boston for a day, playing the game, and then coming back at like two, three in the morning. Because it's like uh, that varsity level, that like college elite level is very demanding, not only on your body, but your mind. So it does kind of take away from your college experience to an extent. So for those athletes that don't really want that full commitment, play club. So I've actually had a few girls that have come down from the, the pit team and the ACC and Duquesne University. They just didn't want the commitment anymore. They, uh, they transferred, well, the Duquesne girl transferred to pit, came play for me. The pit girls just kind of decommitted, didn't go back to the, the school's team and they just played club for me. And we, we had a really solid team, good group of girls. And it was honestly from like coaching an, uh, at the school's like competitive team to the club team. It was a great environment, same type of environment. Everyone works hard, gets along with each other. And um, it was just a great experience. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I have a lot of kids that are kind of in that same boat. They're leaving school. They're really more academic heavy. That's their priority. And, you know, they're, they're not like many of us that went to school to play soccer. <laughs> I'm not trying to speak for you, Evie, but <laughs> I know that was me. I, I, the, the diploma was last on my mind. It was uh, what was our game schedule and, and how hard was training. Uh, I was ready to embrace it. <laughs> so, but um, Evie, you, um, You've been at Duke, you've been at Vanderbilt. What other colleges and levels have you had experience at? And what are the difference between D1, D2, and D3? Uh, I, I, some of the other schools that I've coached at, uh, with, uh, you know, it's, and I've been lucky in that I've been able to sort of stay as a goalkeeper coach you know, throughout my career uh, because I had sort of what's called parallel paths. I had business on one side and, and goalkeeper coaching on the other, but I've coached at schools like NC State, Sangamon State uh, in Illinois, which is an NAIA school, UNC Greensboro, which was a Division II school. Um, uh, I've coached uh, with a, actually one of the greatest experiences I've had as a coach was uh, helping a guy uh, at uh, University of the South over here in Sewanee who uh, played for me at Duke years ago and is now the head women's coach there or was he's, he's now retired, but, um, and he, that was a division three program and I worked with his goalkeepers. Uh, so I've been able to, um, you know, as, as we mentioned in the, in the opening, see a lot of, let's see a lot of different levels in the air quotes. Um, and, you know, you ask, what's the difference, Amanda? There is no difference. When you step on the field, you're playing. And, you, 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 you know, I tell this story all the time. I've been, I've been lucky in that I've been coaching uh, in – I've been able to coach in championship games at uh, three of the four divisions. Um, and 
and I tell kids this all the time, you know what, when you step on the field, it, 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 it doesn't matter if you're D1. It doesn't matter if you're AIA. It doesn't matter if you're D2 or D3. It feels the same. You know, you want to win. You're, it's a championship game or if it's, a, it's a playoff game. And so there is, you know, this whole label thing that we get sucked into, particularly through youth club soccer and we claim development to get you to division one and blah, blah, blah. The whole thing is playing, you know, and that's what, you know, that's what the game was invented for. And, you know, it was to be fun. It wasn't to, you know, everybody, you know, you know what, a lot of people sort of harbor in the back of their minds when they're becoming, when they're developing as players, I'd like to play pro. Okay. The fact of the matter, and a lot of them say, I'd like to play college. The fact of the matter is of the kids that you're playing, if you're a, a U14 right now and you're playing on a good club team, yeah, you might get to college, you know, uh, and you might play in college, but statistically that's a very rare thing, you know, and uh, it's even more rare atmosphere to get to the pros. So, you know, my, I always preach to kids, just enjoy what you're doing today and know that you've got a goal. It's great to have a goal. Everybody has them. And, and I'm not saying don't have goals to, to, to further yourself, but be realistic with yourself and just, you know, take it day by day and enjoy the, enjoy the camaraderie that you have as you're developing, regardless of what level, what level again, you know, that you're playing at uh, it, you know, the important thing is that you're playing a game because, you know, uh, I saw I saw a documentary on tennis the other day, and it's called the lifelong sport. And it, it's just it's they're right. You can play tennis your whole life. Yeah, <laughs> you can't play soccer. You can't play soccer your whole life, and you certainly can't play goalkeeper your whole life. I don't you know? understand why. Why not? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you know, and and you know, you hate to be the the, the old guy, the old get off my lawn guy, but you know seriously you, you've got a limited window that you can play and you should yeah. you should you know sort of drown out the excess noise about what level you're playing just go play you know go yeah. go enjoy yourself uh and if it's you know if it's important enough to you you'll figure out a way to get to wherever you want to get you know yeah. and that's not just that's not just in soccer as you know amanda that's in life you know and 100%. yeah and so you know uh but it is unfortunately in the united states you know sort of a you know, sort of a, we get, we get caught up in the labels and it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, there, as I say, there is no difference between a division two NAIA division three national championship as a division one. It's all the same. You know, you go out, you want to win. You know? Yeah. All right. Let's start at the bottom. Nico, if I want to play club, um, what should my commit, what will my commitment look like? Just maybe three or four, uh, key, key expectations of what I could expect going in. What's the triad going to look like? What's, what's the consistency? I mean, do people know how to trap a ball? Do they know how to play the game or is it kind of like rec ball in high school? So uh, to answer that question, um, it depends on the school to be, to be fair. Uh, so at Pitt, for example, I had the one year 120 girls come out for a tryout. Wow. Mind you, I already had 30 girls on the team because once you're on the team, you're on the team. And the only way you can get off is if you say, Hey, I don't want to play anymore. So I always carry about like 40, 42 girls just to have, because I have unlimited subs and I, whatever. 
Uh, so I'm going to take about 10 or 12 girls out of the 120. So that process goes in and I always have two good assistants with me um, just from the area that I know. So I bring them in and then also have the captains of the team. There are two, two captains of the team. They come to the training session as well. And any girl that's on the team is more than welcome to come, kind of hang out and hop in to be a part of the, the fun for that week. So the trial goes, we have uh, three nights. It's usually Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three nights in a row. Um, and then each night we just invite girls back. So say I have, okay, only one numbers one to 40 to come back the second night. Then we like tell the other girls politely, thank you, please come out in the spring. And then we just kind of slowly cut it down to who we want on the team for that year. Uh, the level is usually pretty good. Um, my team was honestly i was very fortunate enough everyone played at a very nice level um touch was fairly good most of the time some of it was excellent but there's always that time in the tryout where you have that girl that shows up in running shoes and uh is like oh i i haven't played since i was 10 but i, I, I want to try it out all right come on out i mean some of the smaller schools some struggle for numbers and they can be on that team no problem um, but if you get to like some of the bigger schools, uh, it's very competitive, even like Fordham university in New York, their club team, that's like, that's their team because they don't have an actual women's team at that university. So, I mean, their team is when we played them in a regional playoffs a few years ago, we lost in the last minute, but it was tooth and nail and the girls could ball, the girls could play. And it was just a really good game to watch and be a part of. And it's just one of those things where after the whistle, you just, it, it was, it was good. Can't do anything. Can't be mad. Nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, the level's there the level can be there, but I mean, obviously you have some schools where um, it's just not, not fully there because like they're there for just strictly academics or it's a smaller school and they don't have a lot of kids and so the level changes. So, I mean, yeah. it can go from a good level to a bad level, but it fluctuates. It's the same thing when you get to like a competitive level, like NCAA, for example, you go to Messiah, Messiah's D3 program can beat some. They're in my like, conference. Really, <laughs> yeah. They, 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 the, the men's They're team. They're a rival. Um, yeah. Uh, what's yeah. his name? Oh, I, can't, I can't remember his name. He was at the Riverhounds for a little bit. Uh, anyway. He built the dynasty there. Uh, Evie, could, do, you, do you know his name? Um, you got to remind me. Uh, shoot. He, he coached at the USL level. Uh, it, it'll come to me. Okay. I get, I, but, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm he's, blanking. He's the on one that name. wrote a, he wrote a book, right? He wrote a book. Yes. He, he turned a D3 program. He took all the scraps from D1 schools and made a solid D3 team. And that D3 team can beat a lot of big D1 schools. So, I mean, like I said, the level always fluctuates. Yeah. Is it Michael Zigarelli? Or is that the guy no, that just I'm, wrote the book? I'm, I'm going to get the name. Yeah, yeah. So you, that's you good, good perspective. Yeah, that's really good. Um, you know, I think that's a question for a lot of people. They get to their senior year and they're injured or they're – you know, burned out. Um, so that's, that's definitely helpful. I can, I know a bunch of people I could send this podcast to right now and that that would make them feel a lot more comfortable in their decision to go club. 
But then we also have junior college, um, some community colleges in the area. Uh, I know at least here in Richmond, Virginia, um, they've actually taken on a pretty competitive um, intramural team that competes against other local schools. Then you have NAIA, Division III, NCAA, Division II, and D1. So of course we all know D1, D2, that's where money is. D2, you have a lot more international students. D3, you're gonna get more of a smaller class size, smaller, smaller school in general. Um, and you're not gonna get, uh, you'll get academic scholarships or you won't get athletic scholarships. Um, NAIA, um, I know there's the, also the Christian League as well, uh, which Regent University in Virginia Beach is attached to. Uh, I know a few Tennessee and Kentucky programs are attached to that conference too. I know they give a lot of money similar to the NAIA, but when should I choose junior college? When should I choose NAIA? Um, maybe uh, the NSCCA, I think it is, for the Christian um, Athletic uh, Program and Conference. Can you, can you weigh in on that, Eric, and kind of just what are some key indicators of what programs I should look to and so forth? I think, you know, uh, it's, you have to, again, like I said earlier, you have to be honest with yourself. Um, sure. Uh, you know, we always tell kids, you know, pick the school that if you broke your leg and your career ended, you'd still like to be at that school, you yeah. know, and everybody kind of gives that lip service and, you know, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of stories about kids that go to a school and geez, it doesn't work out and they don't like it. So they transfer to another school and maybe that's the end of their playing career because, you know, as we all know, you know, you get into you know, division two, II, division one, II, division three with some programs like Nico was, was referring to, you know, the time commitment for a, for a college athlete is huge. You know, uh, it's not just, you know, two hours a day on the field, you know, you got, you got study halls, you got team meals, you got, uh, you know, weight training in the morning and then the season's over, you still got weight, you know, strength and conditioning going on and you're playing in the spring and the, in the rain and the sleet and there's no games going on. And it's, you know, it's can be a grind and, you know, it's a lot different than youth club level where you're maybe training two or three times a week and you like all your teammates and it's lots of fun. And we're all going to play in Orlando. And when we're not playing, we're going to Disney world and life is good. And mom and dad are driving us everywhere and it's wonderful and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's different when you get into college and you got to study and you got, you know, I mean, you got, uh, you got athletics, you got academics, you got social life because you're supposed to have a social life when you're in yeah. college. That's the, you know, that's, you know, that's why they made animal house. I mean, you know, <laughs> you have a social life, you wouldn't have animal house. So, you know, uh, you know, so it's, it's a very difficult decision. And then I, you know, you, you try to tell, I think kids all know their level, but, yeah you know, when you're picking colleges, you're dealing with parents too. And that becomes an issue because parents, everybody thinks your kid is the greatest kid ever. And, yeah. you know, and you're supposed to as a parent, you know, yeah. but you, but you have to be realistic in again, do I, you know, do I want to be, you know, do I want to go on, do I want to be a player on a division one team where I know I'm probably not going to play much, but I'll train every day. But, you know, I can say I went to Vanderbilt and I played mm. on, the, on the team or do you, do you decide, you know what, I want to play. I want to develop. Yeah. I want to go out every day and be part of, you know, be a key player on the team. And, you know, you pick a school where that's a better opportunity for you. And, uh, 
Uh, and, you know, so, and, and like Nico said, you know, there, there are club teams across this country in college that could just, that could destroy teams at any level, you know, oh, yes. as, you know, cause yeah. they got, they got, you know, foreign players who've, you know, foreign students who've come in. Some of these foreign students may have had some professional experience overseas. You know, these, these players can play. Oh, so, yeah. You know, again, to me, it's all comes down to what's the proper school for you. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're a student athlete, great. Student is first. Athlete is second. Fi- try to find the blend that works best for you. Sure. So, you know, what's that guy's name? Yeah. <laughs> Dave Brandt. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dave yeah. Brandt, Messiah, former Pittsburgh Riverhounds, brilliant yeah. coach. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, so it's, you know, and, and, you know, one uh, probably the best coach, for for sure, the best men's coach in the United States started the Indiana soccer program as a as a club. Who was that? Jer- Jerry Eagley. Mm. You know, and um, you know, fostered. You know, started as a club and fostered it to D one. Uh, you know, and has won more national championships at D one than anybody else has, and. You know, it's it's a it's an icon of men's soccer, and so, you know, and I'm sure the same thing with Anson at, at Chapel Hill. He started as a oh, club yeah. sport, you know, and built it into a, D, a D1 sport. So, you know, uh, it's just it's you know we get like I say we, we have to get away from getting stuck in the labels of uh, which is all ego driven. It is, you know, Gary, yes. you know, and 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 I get that, but again, you know the idea is to play and the idea is to have fun. And, um, you know, I think we, I think we lose sight of that too often. I can't agree with you more. I think that was uh, something, I mean, I grew up in a Mecca of soccer and Virginia beach. Um, half the girls started playing and we had um, just on my high school team alone. Um, three quarters of the team played on the regional ODP team. This is pre ECNL pre girls Academy and MLS Academy. And I mean, a few of the girls were already on the national team by 16 or getting invited to camps, Um, you know, and that wasn't just our school. That was like four different high schools in our area. I mean, they were playing semi-pro because that was the uh, WUSA, the women's first women's pro league hadn't formed yet. So this was the direction. And, um, you know, so we, I I remember being a part of the uh, the junior semi-pro team and uh, that was a part of the USL. I was part of their inaugural team. And I remember being down playing Castle in Raleigh, North Carolina, and going and seeing Anson Dorrance and sitting there talking to Anson Dorrance. And one of the girls took my question. She didn't know it was going to be my question, but it was my question. We had paper resumes. We didn't have the, the, you know, any of these online profiles or anything. And, I, and she asked, she said, hey, how can I get you to recruit me? And he goes, are you on the national team? She said, I'm on the regional team. He said, I'm not looking at you. And so, you know, I guess my question is, you know, what is, um, you know, you have an amazing program like this and everybody wants to play for UNC. Everybody wants to play for Florida, you know, or Florida State uh, and many other great programs, Maryland. Um, What, you know, how do you get past that stigma? And, um, you know, what are, what it, what makes a good program? at the D3 pro D3 level or D2 level or D1 level um, or any of the other divisions, NAIA, what, what is a good program 
maybe not the most popular and most broadcast on ESPN and have the most documentaries, but what is a good program for parents, I guess, and, 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 and kids to kind of understand? Is it all about winning? Go ahead, Nico. I mean, in, in my opinion, it's very, very comparative because like, for example, if I'm a criminal justice major, I'm not going to look at this specific school mm-hmm. and this specific program. And there's also so many people involved. It's who is the coach there? Where is it at? Like, if I don't like the winners, I'm not going to go to Albany, New York. I'm going to be looking at a school in Florida. And they may be in the same league, but one team may be good. One team may be bad. Academics may be good here, but not as good over here. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of variables that go into it. I think it's just shopping around, looking at all the variables and seeing what's best for you. And coming from a person that's gone through the JUCO system, been recruited by NCAA and NAIA, I shopped around. Um, I was can you, can you tell us what is JUCO in case somebody doesn't know? Yeah, so JUCO is NJCAA, which is community college. They have D1 and D3. Um, not much difference between the two other than that's their classification. They, if you're in the same vicinity, in the same state, you always play each other. Uh, and a lot of times, some of the D3s are actually better than the D1s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played there for a few years, and then I was looking to kind of go to the next level because you can only play two years at a community college. So I'm looking to kind of continue my thing. I'm talking to uh, teams out in California, teams in the Midwest, and I, l- I landed in Pittsburgh at an NAIA. Um, but, I mean, there, there was no real one place that I had my heart and soul set on. There's, there's some athletes that are like, okay, I want, I want to go play for Sasha in Maryland, or I want, I want to play at UCLA, and that, that's it. There's some people that just have that, and that's their goal. And if they don't get it, they're still going to go there, and that's the end of the story. Me, it's, I'm, I'm very whatever. Like, it's a part of my process. Wherever I see is best fit for me to grow and develop as an individual, as a player, as a person in general, that's where I see fit is best for me to go at the time. And it's so far, knock on wood, it's worked out for me so far. Um, so in my opinion, there's not one set program for anyone to look at. It's what you want to get, where you want to be. And you don't have to have like a specific title where you want to be in five, 10 years or whatever, but just like a general direction of where you want to be and don't have your heart and soul set on that specific thing, but just know that there's that general direction because along the way, things are going to pop up and you don't know what's going to come about in life. So it's always good to have an open mind and be open to new experiences and life in general to like help you develop. Yeah, totally. Evie? Uh, you know what? I, everything Nico said is 100% correct. And I think um, I, I know that a lot of our listeners are goalkeepers or goalkeepers' parents. And yeah. everything that we've talked about so far is magnified, you know, three, four times when you're a goalkeeper because you have to find, uh, you have to find, you know, your dream school or the school that fits you best. And they have to need a goalkeeper. You know, mm-hmm. uh, at some point in your four year career, you know, you you anticipate as a goalkeeper who's who's looking at schools, having a chance to to be the starter, you know, yeah. or having a chance to be the goalkeeper, uh, and 
you know, the question becomes, are you, are you willing to put up with the, the day-to-day rigors at whichever level you choose, um, maybe to be, and maybe you only wind up being the number two for four years, you know, or the number three. And, um, you know, again, this is, this is all part and parcel of choosing a, a program. And, you know, so I, and I think doubly maybe for goalkeepers, you know, level, you know, the label, the level label doesn't make, it should not make a difference because you want an opportunity to play. Playing is the teacher, as we all know, right? Uh, you know, exactly. training, training and everything is getting ready for that teaching moment of playing. But uh, so if you never play, then, you know, you're, you're going to be a tremendous trainer after four years, you know? Uh, uh, and uh, so, you know, I think you just, as Nico said, you've got to, you got to start with a very broad list and it may involve small schools. You know, I think he made a great point. If you don't like winter, don't go to Albany. No, you, know, no. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, if you like winter, you know, that's a great place to go. You yeah. know, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, these are all things that have to come into your, into your decision-making process and with your, you know, with your family's financial situation. Cause you know, I don't think there's a college anywhere in the United States right now. That's not expensive. You know, I don't care what, I don't care what level you're talking about. It's expensive, True. you know? So, you know, you, you know, you have to, you have to find that thing that, that, that program that you think is going to fit you best. So there's been a recent rise on a lot of these international programs getting on the same online recruiting websites and recruiting kids to come over and giving them the hopes that potentially they could, you know, play pro in England or Scotland or Wales, Ireland, uh, and other places. Um, You know, I know, Nico, you're currently at the Sports Management Institute, pretty well-known accredited program. um, And you know, Evie, I'm sure you're familiar with these programs, but how do kids, you know, I've seen a lot of my kids get really excited and go, oh my gosh, I have a pro team interested in me. And it's like, that's not what you think it is. <laughs> you know, um, how do they sort through the mail, uh, like these emails that they continue to get and uh, make good decisions and not get um, taken advantage of? I think is the nice way to say it. (laughs) How do you know a legit program internationally from one that's just trying to take your money and use you uh, and give you false hope? Go ahead, Nico. You're over there. Oh, 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 I'm over here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mr. Rome over here. Yeah. (laughs) How's that coffee? How's that coffee? (laughs) Like I said before, today was my first day out of quarantine here. I absolutely loved it. It was a fantastic day. Um, Anyway, uh, I mean, through my process to even get here, um, aside from COVID, was was decently long. Um, I actually came to Rome a few years ago. Uh, I came to Italy a few years ago and played on a team that was kind of put together like an all-star team company, invited me to come play, and I did. I got a message a few months after that saying, hey, we're interested in you coming to our program. It's a master's program one year, gives you opportunity to play. You get a master's in coaching, you get UEFA B, are you interested in a meeting? So I took the meeting, um, met with them via Skype. I got up at like, I think four in the morning because they're six hours ahead over here. So 
up at four in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, took the meeting at like 5 a.m. Uh, bright and early, which is always fantastic um, to have a serious meeting. And then they were in Chicago that year. That's where the coaches convention was. So this is probably about three weeks for a convention. I'm like, okay, I'll see you there. So within like two days, I booked my ticket, made all my reservations, and I flew to Chicago to meet with them in person. Um, face-to-face is always good because then you like actually get a feel for it. Like you can talk to someone on phone, send endless emails, but you never have a physical interaction with them. For me, I always like to be face-to-face with someone at some point if I'm like interacting with them in any type of business or serious like life uh, event. So for me, that was a big thing after I met with them. I think we sat at this coffee shop for about two hours and just talked about coaching and playing and methodology. And after that conversation, we both very mutually felt that this would be a good fit. And then they're like, okay, here's like the 10 things you need to do to officially apply. I got in my 10 things, got accepted. And the day after my college season ended last November, I signed, I signed to come over. So, I mean, that was my process for those kids. Cause I know there are some programs for youth players in like high school saying, Hey, come to Spain, you can study here. And they call themselves a professional Academy. They may be a professional Academy. There are those don't get me wrong. Uh, but there are also those that are uh, quote unquote affiliated with clubs that aren't directly like they don't have a direct pipeline to that team. It's just kind of a, linked partnership where it's a good educational experience but it's also the words are somewhat twisted sometimes and it's not always what you think um evie please tell me your thoughts because you you're a brilliant person in this soccer world and know 10 times more than i do well the, the here's what here's what kids have to remember and and they i think i think sometimes we we uh overplay our abilities. Um, if you're, if you're, try, if you decide you want to try to play professionally in Europe, okay, it's like the National Football League, right? Those are the the best players are the guys that are playing on those teams. The best players from those countries, cities, you know, regions, whatever you want to call it, right? These, you know, this is NFL level at professional athletics, right? And if you know anything about the NFL, the NFL doesn't have guaranteed contracts, right? If you don't perform, you're gone. Just, wa- just watch kickers in the NFL, right? If you're not consistently hitting field goals, you know what? Tuesday, you don't have a job anymore, right? And we're not, our soccer kids are not used to that scenario, you know, and so, you know, you say that you want to be a pro over in Europe, you know, get ready for cutthroat, right? And it's, it's you know, it's survival of the fittest every day uh, because that's what keeps the, that's what keeps the level up, you know? And so, uh, you know, kids, you know, I, I, I was working for Adidas International when Landon Donovan was with uh, Leverkusen, okay? And the word the word uh, was that he was miserable, you know? Wow. Well, yeah, he's miserable because here's a California kid in Leverkusen in Germany in December. And if you've ever been to Germany in December, it's 
cold, dreary. It's not quite snowing, but it's like one degree away from snowing, which is worse than snowing, right? You know, and it's just, and it's, it's week long, that kind of weather. And he's out there training, you know, with a top level team and they're kicking the snot out of him. You know, yeah, it's not much fun, you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he just, you know, and he's one of the best players that we've ever produced in the United States. So, you know, that, that culture shock of, you know, saying, professing you want to be in the top club is not quite as easy. It's a lot easier to say it than it is to actually do it. Okay. Yeah. Not to say you can't. Okay. But it's, it's an uphill, it's a huge up, it's a mountain to climb. Absolutely. You know, and you, and yeah, and, and what Nico said is a hundred percent true. You know, he just gave you an example of how much time and research and effort he put into making this decision, which is kind of similar to what you should be doing if you're making a college decision, right? If you're a young player trying to make a college decision, that same amount of time, energy, effort, and, and research should go into where you're trying to play, you know, in college. Well, you know, after he, you know, after he sat down and met face to face with him, seemed like a good thing, you know? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and at that point, it's like being a goalkeeper, right? Dealing with a cross. Do I stay here or do I go get it? Okay. And once you make that decision to go get it, you know, you go get it. You know, yeah. you don't, there's no, there's no looking back. There's no second guessing. There's like, Oh shit, I should have done this or that. Sorry. I shouldn't have said that, but you know, <laughs> we know, we know that as goalkeepers, right? Because yeah. we've all done it. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, you know, once you, once you've got everything sort of sorted and figured out and, and your, your pathway forward charted and you've made the decision, you go, you know, and, uh, and that's, and so, you know, this is all, and like he said, you know, there's a lot of, Oh yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, we're affiliated with Barcelona, you know, why? Cause you're, cause your mailing address is Barcelona, Spain. You know, I mean, you know, we used to get, we used to get, you know, I, I used to laugh. We'd have, I'd look at resumes from, from coaches before who said, you know, I was involved with the youth team at, or I was involved with Manchester United's team, you know, well, you know what? I grew up in Boston. Okay. I went to, a, I went to a couple of Red Sox games and I, but I don't say I was involved with the Red Sox organization. <laughs> Of course you, know. you were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you get a lot of that, unfortunately, in yeah. soccer. And you have to you have to do your due diligence to to make sure you don't get trapped. Yeah. And I think too, you know, with the online programs now, like as college coaches, we can follow people. And I get this from my kids, and this is before, you know, I accepted my role at the university. And it's like my kids would come up to me and, oh, such and such college is following me and Ohio State's following me or Virginia Tech's following me. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. Oh, it does. It does. They're looking at my highlight reel. And I'm like, you have three highlight reels. They're not going to watch it every single day. Right. You know, right. following you means you're, you're somewhere in their, their interest, but it doesn't mean they're recruiting you. So, I mean, like, how do you, how do these kids navigate that? Because in my opinion, between the follows, which I feel, in my opinion, are sometimes misleading. Then again, if we're really interested in people, we keep an eye on them just to see if they've committed or, you know, et cetera. But how do you, like, what is your recommendation to these kids on how to, um, 
manage that and not get overly excited. Uh, but also, uh, when they get the blast to come to ID camps, <laughs> how do you pick an ID camp that makes sense and, and it, it is going to get the, the most money? Um, and, and the only reason I say that is because I've coached at ID camps and I've had the goalkeepers and they come up and they don't even know how to catch a ball. And it's like, why are you here? Why did you spend $180 in your entire day to be here? Right. Go ahead, Nico. Um, with that, it also depends what level you're at. Because, for example, if you're a sophomore in high school and you're going to go to – you want to go to a Maryland ID camp, coach can't talk to you. So that's a big thing. Um, there are some colleges you can go to D2, D3, NAIA. I can recruit you when you're 12. Like that's, that's perfectly legal, which is insane. But there's also those times where if the coach is actually interested in you, they can say, okay, here's a, here's a fee waiver, come for free. Yeah. But at like, you're going to D1, D2 level, they may not do that because they can't talk to you. And the official rule is for NCAA D1, and I possibly might be D2, is they cannot talk to you until the first day of your junior year of high school. And that is the day after your sophomore year ends. So if I finish my sophomore year high school, uh, June 5th, on June 6th, that coach is able to talk to me. But if you call them at their office phone, they even have on their recording, hey, if you're born before this day, I can't talk to you, leave a message, but no, I can't talk to you. So they're listening, but they just can't contact you directly. So when you're making that decision to go to that ID camp, just know like you have to, you have to understand the situation. You can't take everything to heart because there are some rules set where you get, you got to work with the situation again. It's everything's very comparative. Um, but I mean, going to the ID camp, do your research on a school. Like Evie said, if you get hurt and you can't play again, is that somewhere you want to be for academics? Is there like that's somewhere you want to play? It's not like going to Rio Grande, Ohio and playing for Scott. Like you go to Rio Grande, they're one of the best teams in the country. But the only thing around there is Bob Evans, like original farm. And it's literally 500 acres of farm. There's nothing there. It's a ghost <laughs> town. So, I mean, once you're done there, like, are you still cool with being there? That's a big thing. Yeah. But do your research on the school, do your research on the program and really think about, is this where I want to go? Is this where I want to spend like three, four five years, depending on your situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all true. And I think one of the biggest things that I tell my kids is you need by your junior year, have your top 20 going into your senior year that summer, have your top 10, but you need to be messaging all those coaches, not once, not twice. It needs to be a genuine message, not like copy, paste, copy, paste. We can tell the difference and you need to ask them about ID camps if that's really want to go where you want to go because you recruit the school. The school doesn't always recruit you. More, that's yeah. more times, more times than not, that's the case. You recruit oh, the school that you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think ID camps are great if you're, if you're a freshman or sophomore and this is, you know, this is, you're, you're looking at it for a day or a day and a half of training. Okay. And to get an idea of what college is kind of like, a, what it's like. Then as you say, as you get to your junior and senior year, you might go to an ID camp of a school that is on your top 10 list, you know, because again, you'll have an, you'll at least get on campus and you'll have an idea of, you know, 
you know, you may find out, well, I don't, this is, this campus is too big or this campus is too small or, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, I like Bob Evans, but not every day, you know, <laughs> you know, so, so you got to, you know, those are all things that, that you have to research and, you know, in certain situations, the ID camps are great, but be, be advised that ID camps are money makers for the coaches, yeah. you know, and, and, which is fine. I mean, you know, I don't you know, begrudge anybody making money, but make sure that it's something that you're aware of, number one. And number two, it fits with what, you know, what, you're, what you've chosen, you know, if that's a school that's on your radar. You know, the other thing I would say, and you brought it up, Amanda, guys, they're following you because they want to make sure that if they're going to recruit you, you are of stellar character, Okay. All right. They're checking out your Twitter and Facebook and Instagram pages, because if they see you as at age 17 with a red solo cup full of beer, see you later. Yeah. You know, know, a college coach doesn't need those problems. And that, and I think we could bring into the, a lot of controversial issues between COVID, the civil unrest, you know, it's not that we, you know, coaches don't want to see you support that, but if you're encouraging violence, you're uh, retweeting protests that could be perceived as violence. Um, uh, I believe Marquette, somebody lost a full ride there. Uh, I believe there was an, a few Virginia programs, just people retweeting or sharing their opinions. There was the guy, was it with the LA Galaxy, the MLS guy, his wife was sharing stuff. Yes, yes. And he, lo- he was kicked off and lost his pro contract. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, how important is it with your representation? And I want to ask another question in a minute to build off of this one uh, to both you guys, because we're all goalkeeper coaches here as well. But, I mean, how important is that just going off what you were just sharing there, Eric? It's, it's, it's key. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of the old John Wooden thing, right? You know, back in the – when he was coaching basketball and, and Kareem Jabbar was playing for him, you know – there was the same racial strife and, and uh, protests against the Vietnam War at the time, you know, and the kids would, you know, the, the, it's in his books, it's, you know, and they write, you know, the team went to him and said, we want to, we want to mispractice today so that we protest whatever they were protesting. And his answer was, I firmly understand your position and I respect your position but you have to respect my position as a coach. If you mispractice today, you're not playing this weekend. You know, so there's a consequence to your decision, right? And he, yeah. you know, he didn't, he didn't make it so that they, they felt bad about themselves. He just, he, his point was, think this through, you know, and if this, is, if this is the thing that you're, you know, steadfastly engaged in and want to do, fair enough, but no, that, you know, not everybody thinks the way you do. And, and also know that, you know, as, as your coach, if you're not at practice, then I'm not going to give you playing time, you know? Yeah. You know, so if it, you know, protest all you want, but make sure you do it so that it's, it impacts you at, you know, as, as least as possible. Well, kind of the same thing with your social media, make sure, you know, everybody, nobody's saying don't be yourself, but, Make sure that if you're in a position where you're trying to impress somebody and you, you know, there's, there's reward for you down the line that you're presenting your best self, you know, because as I said, college coaches, you know, we haven't, 
you know, you get a kid for four years, everybody has problems in college. That's what college is for. You know, college is a glorified summer camp. So you can go there, screw up and don't get thrown in jail. Right. That's why parents, that's why parents send their kids to college. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, college coaches deal with that stuff every day, you know, yeah. and, but they don't need additional problems, True. you know, and, and they're not going to recruit additional problems because I don't care how good the kid, the player is, you know, at some point you're as a college coach, particularly, you're like, I don't, I don't need this stuff. I don't need this hassle. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, if I may add, just, yeah, yeah. just completely aside from the game, every action has a reaction, especially with social media, because once that stuff's on the internet, if you delete it from your profile, it's still out there somewhere. Yes. And someone can and will pull it back up. But the, also the other thing is, aside from the game, even if you have a, like an appropriate social media or inappropriate, you don't know who's watching. Like, for example... I wasn't even trying, but GNC reached out to me to be an ambassador for their student rush program. Just by looking at my social media, I had nothing to do. And here comes this big company and they're looking at you and you don't want like one, one derogative picture or post or the wrong set of words to like uh, make you lose an opportunity you could have had. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree with you more. And I think, so So it's one aspect, I think, of representing yourself on social media. But for me, when I'm recruiting, or even when I'm mentoring and coaching kids that are in my academy, I like going to their games and seeing them lose. Now, I don't like the fact that they're losing, but I like to see how they respond to failure. I like to see it in my practices, too. And in my practices, that's my platform. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way. That's where I can mentor them in private, you know, one-on-one -on -one or in a small group session and kind of talk to them on how to process that. But the reasoning for that is because when they're in a game, I want that, you know, whoever that college is that may be coming out to see them play knows that, hey, one, they're all, they're, we're all human, but they, they know how to manage their, their emotions. They know how to pick themselves up. They don't let their emotions rule them. But there's many kids out there that don't or they continue to struggle. But more than that, disrespect. Absolutely disrespectful. And I've been in situations where players have chucked the ball at my head because they didn't like what I say. They've yelled at me in front of the entire team um, or even the parents. But I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, guys. How can a parent cause their child to lose out on an opportunity? And how can a kid's attitude uh, lose out on their opportunity? And do college coaches follow up and do their research, not just on social media, but on how the parents are and how the, how the kid is in practice with the team and in games and how they treat their peers and, uh, and coaches as well? You're first, Nico. All right. You're always first, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, if you're not first, you're last. That's right. That's right. And, and, Ricky Bobby. You know, yeah. Sorry, it. Nick. I had to give you a little bit of American culture. All good. All good. All good. Um, yeah, but I mean, definitely the parents' actions can take a direct effect if you're going to be recruited. 
um, a lot of the times, just as like, like say you're getting called a national team. It's not always like the national team coach is going to call you. They're going to call your coach and get, get the scoop on you. Same thing goes for uh, recruiting for college. If I'm going to Jeff cup and I'm, I'm recruiting you like that sheet that uh, your team hands out, I'm not going to be calling you directly. I'm going to talk to your coach first. I'm going to say, what's the kid like? You're going to tell me straight up what he's like. Um, can he play? Yes or no. And then I'm going to ask what's, what's their like home situation like? Just because it always plays a factor because coming from a club coach, I've had those parents that want to want a coach. And I always have the philosophy, if you're a lawyer and I'm a coach, you're not going to tell me how to do your job. Uh, you're not going to tell me how to do my job, excuse me. And if you're a lawyer, I'm not going to come to like the, the courthouse and tell you what to tell the judge. It's, it's not my place. Everyone has a place and that's, that's just my beliefs. And that comes from actually my mother who like when I was eight would not talk to the coach for me. She was like, you got a problem, you go talk to him. So me personally, I always grew up with that mentality and my, my, Mom and my dad, they kind of stayed out of my quote unquote playing career, even from a young age, which is to me is a good thing. Um, I'm very thankful for that. But all that plays direct effect into it, because if that coach, if that parent's going to be coming to games and the, their kid's not playing, I've seen it happen before. They're going to be talking to the coach, trying to email the coach, trying to call the coach. Why isn't my kid playing? He's better than this, this and this. And that's just giving a coach a headache. Coach doesn't need a headache because everyone has a role on that team. Some people's role is to play. Some people's to come off the bench. Some people is to be there and be the supporting player and wait for your time to come. And I've been in all those positions and there's nothing wrong with any of those. But it's the fact of the matter. Is this kid going to cause me a headache? Because if, if you're not the best player on that team and you're not playing and your parent is giving that coach like making their life crazy, I guarantee that kid's not coming back the following year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just, we just want to coach. We want to do our job. We want to coach. We want to mentor you. I think that's one of the things um, when parents bring their kids to Richmond goalkeeping Academy, the first thing I say is, Hey, listen, one parents are welcome to sit over there. This is for players and for me to coach. And remember you're paying me to mentor and, and give your kid additional training and bring them in this group atmosphere. And I respect if you don't think I'm a good fit and I encourage you to go find somebody that's a good fit. I'm not going to be a good fit for everybody, but remember you're paying me. I don't need your additional input uh, to mentor and coach them. And we've taken it a step further, just, you know, lessons learned from peers and friends in the community and, and just that I've learned. And we uh, this year put in a, a coach's code of conduct, which is I'm sure at Tennessee soccer club, you have that EV and at yeah. copper mine, Nico, you had that. But, I mean, for a technical program like us, we felt the need that we needed it for the players, but the coaches, like, these are our standards. And, you know, if you can't sign that paper and live to them, don't come back, you know. But th these are standards in life. They're, this should – this is just – we all cross the line, but we all have boundaries, and we need to be aware of those boundaries and respect those boundaries is, is really what we're talking about. And, and, you know, Evie, I mean, what are your thoughts – on, on what we're discussing here and, and, and how, how does this impact you? Uh, it, it, I mean, and can it be forgiven if you messed up? 
Oh yeah, I mean, part of yes, for sure. But you know, part of everything, particularly what what Nico said, is you know, we we as as college coaches, and again, you know, particularly I've had it with goalkeeping, you know, parents, you know, because you know, I couldn't, I don't understand why you didn't play my daughter when the girl in front of her was, you know, just a little bit better. I was like, did you hear what you just said? You know. So, you know, he, he just said the girl in front of you a little bit better. So, I, you know, my job as a coach is to play the best best player I got, you know. Write that but, down five times and say it yeah. really slow. Yeah. You know, loud. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, but Nico's right. When, when coaches are recruiting you, particularly goalkeepers, right? I mean, you know, if you're a goalkeeper oh, yeah. who's looking to go and play in college, well, you know, we may see you at a tournament and, you know, but the next thing we're going to do if you're a goalkeeper is call the goalkeeper coach. Right. Yeah. And we're going to talk goalkeeper, you know, and you know, what is, what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? You know, and, and you know, is he, is, you know, to me, it always comes down as, is he, is he or she willing to work? You know, are they willing to plug at it every day? Cause if they are, you know, that, that for me, that's 90% of the, of the challenge. You know, um, and but part of that is, you know, what as Nico said, what's what's the family life like? What are the parents like? I always, you know, I always ask, you know, what are the parents like? You know, because you know, we you don't you don't need parents, you know, and they do, you know, yeah. they, they they get on the phone Tuesdays because, you know, Jenny was not happy with her playing time on on Sunday. Well, you know. There's only 11 players happy with their playing time. You know, those are the 11 starters. And even them, even some of them aren't going to be happy because they get subbed out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, so it's, you know, as, as Nico was referring to, you just, you know, we don't, college coaches don't need that. There's other yeah. stuff you got to do, you know? Uh, and, um, you know, and so, yeah, you, you, you know, this is all part and parcel of, of your development, going from youth club to high school to college, you know, and, um, you know, there's, there's no such thing as player coach meetings in the pros, you know, when you go from college to pros, you know, Hey coach, can I talk to you about something? You know, I mean, if it's not, you know, if, if you start going down that road, how come I'm not playing the coach is going to go cause you suck. <laughs> You're not, you know, in comparison with everybody else, you're not in the yeah. top 15. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it that way, but that's, that's the case, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so again, I, I think, you know, as you, we were starting this discussion, yeah, you know, the whole package is what college coaches are, re are recruiting and, you know, social media and parental involvement and all that stuff is all part and parcel of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely huge. Can so if you make a mistake, maybe you treated a coach wrong, you left him on bad terms. Do you think and you move on to somebody else? Do you know, do college coaches do we, are we tight? Do we all pretty much know each other and we all ask around and do our research to even those past coaches? And can you be forgiven if you make those mistakes as a player or even as a parent? Oh, sure. I, I think, I think, you know, most, most leaders and mentors are fully aware of second chances and the need for second chances. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. 
you know, third and fourth chances, that's a different thing. You know, again, again you know, um, uh, and it's different in pros because in pros, two things matter, getting a W and getting points, you know? Mm. So you can have, you know, I mean, you can have a guy who's just a colossal pain in the ass, but you put up with it because you need, he's a, he's a good player and he needs the points or, the, or she's a good player and we need the points on the team. But in college, you don't, you know, you get, I'll give you a second chance, but if you screw that up, you know what? There's probably, a, there's probably a better place for you than here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'll help you get there. Yeah, absolutely. This has been really good. I think uh, just one question, and I want to wrap this up here, um, is, you know, can you go pro at NAIA? Can you go pro at D3? Can you go pro at D2, D1? What are you guys' thoughts? Uh, Evie, you want to start? Or? No, you go oh, ahead. You go right. you're, you're not you're getting the, out of this, Nico. You're the Italy. You're the Italy distributor for HPG, so you go first. Yes, yes. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what level. If you can play, you can ball, you can make a professional. But you also have to be willing to be a part of that process. Like it's, it is a lot. It's a lot of work on and off the field. It's a big mental game. You have to be mentally tough and you got to be willing to do those bus rides where you get up at five in the morning, leave, go six hours, hang out in the town all day, play a game, get on the bus, come back that same night and not get home till like 4.30 in the morning and have almost a 24 hour day. You got to be willing to do that and go through the process to get to the glory. Um, not a lot of people can handle that. Uh, but if, it, it doesn't matter what level you play at. I know people that just played NJCA community college gone professional division one NAI gone professional. There's some people who never played college, just went straight to the pros. But I mean, it just, it just depends on your situation and how much you're willing to work. I agree hundred percent with that. It's, you know, yeah. if you're good enough, you'll, you'll find a way and they'll find you, you know, and it may mean you have to go to, you know, five or six open tryouts, you know, and you may mean you have to keep banging on the door, you know, but uh, if you're good enough, eventually somebody's going to recognize it and you're going to, and you're going to get a shot, but you look like Nico said, you got to be willing to pay your dues. You know, if yeah. you, if you don't like, like riding the bus all night, then maybe it's not for you, you know, yeah. but, but again, I always come back to, you know, you do it while you're young because about, you know, 40 years old, 38 years old, you can't do this anymore. You know, yeah. if you're particularly if you're a goalkeeper, you just we can't do it anymore. And, um, you know, and, and but you, you know, as, as Nico says, if you're willing, if you're willing to put up with with the rigors of, you know, the journey, then it it's it's worth it. And, it, you know, what the funny thing is, it may not be worth it. You get on a pro team and you're not a starter and it may not be worth it at that time but it pays off later in life in other aspects of your, you know, your business or your coaching or whatever, you know, it pays off. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you, anybody can do it. Doesn't, you know, level, level is not important because once you finish in college, everybody's the same and pro teams don't care what you did in college, right? They care what you did five minutes ago. Yeah. And I would say it's the same in college. We don't care what you did in high school. Correct. <laughs> This is new ground. You start, you know, at a new placement. 
you got to work your your way up the ranks you Correct. know um this you know just something that nico it's sparked something in my in my mind another question real quick but i would like evie you and nico to answer this what are the typical most common traits of a goalkeeper um that you look for to bring into any college program besides work uh, ethic that that should be clear okay. if people aren't picking up on that by now they haven't been listening they need to start over from the beginning but yeah i mean if i'm a college coach and i'm recruiting a goalkeeper i'm obviously looking at technical tactical tactical ability knowledge of the game and then how tough you are mentally goalkeeping very tough position because you're the hero or you're the villain and it doesn't matter the ball got by the other 10 guys you're going to get the rap for that one goal and that one goal might be the game and you, you got it you got to be mentally strong enough to do that you got to be mentally strong to ride the bench because in this position you don't have that chance to come 10 minutes in off the bench and prove your worth it's either you're in or you're out so you got to be you got to be ready all the time Absolutely. Agree. Yeah, I agree 100% with everything that you just said. It's, it's you know, um, uh, and, and you, but you hit the nail on the head, Amanda. It's, that's the first question I ask about every goalkeeper is, are they willing to work? You know, are they willing to put the time and effort in? And if they are, you know, and, uh, you know, are willing to show up every day with their lunch pail and do the work, they're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, um, you know because, and there's always going to be, there's always going to be obstacles in the road and, you know, there's always, you know, there's, as Nico says, there's going to be times when you have a brilliant game and let one through your hands, right? And the most important aspect of that is you got to be able to forget it the next day because, you know, uh, as Mike Krzyzewski says, you get ready for the next play, right? The next play is the most important. You know, yeah. what, what's done is done. The next play is the most important. So in goalkeeping, the next save or the next ball you got to deal with is the most important. Absolutely. I may make a suggestion. Yeah. That part of my game, when I first got to Point Park, I had a terrible habit of just having a really bad attitude with myself and being really hard on myself if I made a mistake. My coach, Yeroon, um, brilliant coach. He was the goalkeeper coach for the Riverhounds for a number of years. He actually started playing tennis and racquetball with me for two reasons. One, the foot movement mimics goalkeeping. Second, if you mess up on that point, you got to forget about it and go to the next one. Are you so sure you weren't John McEnroe on a few swings? <laughs> I, w I was. I have my. I moments. had to throw that in there. I you're, thought that's where you were going. You know, I have my moments. But <laughs> how many rackets did you break? <laughs> it's. It, I'm not allowed in the gym anymore. I'm kidding. <laughs> But um, no, for a mental game, if you're really struggling with that aspect, highly suggest playing tennis or racquetball. It's brilliant. I love, like, it's changed my game completely. What about it changed your game? Uh, mental aspect-wise, just calm me down. I don't get as angry anymore. Like, I'm chill. Like, it taught me how to, one, not be so hard on myself and kind of more talk to myself instead of just being down on myself because then self-confidence just plummets. And then once I get more monotone like that, then I can communicate with my defense and my field players better and I have a better relationship with them too. So overall communication and mentality, it improves it. And then footwork, it just improves it hand-eye coordination as well. I would also think the ball's coming at you so many times so fast, you can't think. 
about what you just messed up on. You got to keep going. Exactly. Right. That's, yeah. that's one of the trainers. That's smart. That's smart. How about you, Evie? Well, I, Nico's right. You know, what, what a lot of people don't know is um, uh, in 1974, 75, when Sepp Meyer was the, the national team goalkeeper for Germany won the world cup, all that kind of stuff. He was one of the, you know, I think he was ranked number two amateur tennis player in in Germany. And that was, you know, this was back before cross training and all that kind of thing. And he did it because if you watch him play, you know, Sepp Meyer ran to saves, you know, and his footwork was exactly the same as tennis. And, you know, uh, the fact that you're the fact that as Nico says, you're playing on a court, your footwork is almost exactly the same. It's almost exactly the same area that you have to cover. Uh, and you're dealing with a ball that's coming at you. So there's that aspect of it. And you're dealing with, you know, your next shot, you know, and, and you have to, you have to stay remain under control to get the ball back into the court on the other side to keep the rally going, you know, so it's, it's and you know as I said earlier, you can play it your whole life. It's a great life sport that um, you know my dad played till he was ninety two. You know. Oh and, wow. Yeah. You know. Holy and, cow. Um, you know, it's just something that that you can do forever, and it's you know it it's better than jogging. Absolutely. Yeah. Saves your knees a little bit more, right? A little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on here and giving your time. Um, any final thoughts or suggestions for our listeners and whether parents or players? Nico? Uh, yeah. So, um, love the game. The minute you stop loving it, stop playing it. I'd agree a hundred percent with that. And, uh, I want to uh, wish Nico the best over there in Rome and, and hope everything Thank works you. out for you because it's, you know, you're, you're, you're doing, you're, you're living the dream, but you're also, you're, you're doing something that, that uh, given the opportunity, you grabbed it and, and are, are pursuing it. And that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. And that's, I hope it work, I hope it all works out for you. I really appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you, V. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. Yeah.